This is the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast, episode number 67, with guest Dr. Amy Johnson. All links and resources you hear in this podcast can be found by going to yourkickasslife.com forward slash 67. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Very excited, as always, to bring you today's guest. Let me read to you a little bit about Dr. Amy Johnson. She is a social psychologist and coach who helps people see the default, always there mental health and clarity that resides within all people at all times. Amy is the author of three books, including Being Human and the upcoming The Little Book of Big Change, The No Willpower Approach to Breaking Any Habit, which will be published by New Harbinger in January 2016. She has been a regular expert on The Steve Harvey Show and is often published in Wall Street Journal, Self Magazine, and Oprah.com. So without further ado, here is Amy. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast, episode number 67 with Dr. Amy Johnson. I'm so happy to have you here. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay. We're going to talk about all things brain stuff. That's my very professional way of talking about what you do. But, it's very professional. Uh, I, I know, I know, right? In fact, the way I say that, I know you do a lot of different things, and I want to jump right in. And you know, because I was researching, um, I was I spent a ton of time on your website reading different blog posts, and you've been writing for a long time. And on your homepage, though, there was one thing that that struck me, and this is where I want to start. So I'm quoting your homepage. You say, "When you understand the incredibly simple way your mind works." Life begins to change in remarkable, uh, remarkably wonderful ways. So can we just start with that? And that's a really broad question. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it is, um, it's, it's broad, but it's awesome. I mean, it, it is everything and it is so simple and, you know, and it points to a lot of things. So essentially kind of what I, what I do when I, you know, what I write about, what I love to talk about and help people kind of understand is how our mind works, not not just and not really so much in terms of like our physical, the physical aspect of our mind. Yes, we, that's, it's super helpful to understand that that's our brain, right? Like it's helpful to understand how our brain works. Um, it does amazing things for people like to understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but I, I think of this so much bigger. So it's more like understanding how our mind works, how our human experience is created from a spiritual, what kind of more of a spiritual perspective, because that comes first. Like there's something before all this physical stuff that we see. There's something that comes before our brain. It's it's what powers our brain. Like we don't have to wake up in the morning and turn our body on and turn our brain on. It's mm -hmm. on. It's being powered all the time by something that because we can't see it physically, we tend to kind of ignore it. Or some people do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you well, just take it for so granted at least. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, and we just, it, we get so, it's so easy to get caught up in looking at what we can see and what we experience. And what I see really, really change people's lives, to to put it lightly, is um, 
looking at where that experience comes from. So for example, pretty much every, all of the 400 plus, you know, fields of psychology out there, they look at, at one or a combination of three things. They either look at how we think or our specific thoughts. They look at, it's all the cognitive behavioral stuff mm-hmm. and, you know, just how do we think and changing your thoughts and all of that. Or they look at our emotional life, our emotions, our moods and our feelings, or they look at our behaviors. There's a lot that's focused on, you know, what do you do? What are we going to change? Very behavioral or some combination of those three. And they're wonderful, but they're all after the fact. What is so fascinating to me is looking at like what comes before that? What makes way for all of that, all of that manifest stuff, thought, emotion, behavior to kind of come through us? And I think what that is, is that, that bigger kind of spiritual energy that, that is what we are. It is our true nature. You know, it is what we really are. And it is when you look beyond, when you take, you know, everyone on the planet and you look beyond their, their thought at the very at this very moment you look beyond their mood what ha- what mood they happen to be in this very moment or their behavior and what they're doing and you kind of go a layer deeper than all of that superficial stuff we're all the same mm-hmm. we all operate by the same principles you know we all have that we basically love i believe you know we have that that same core and that same innate health and wellness and potential and possibility is in every single one of us and that is who we are and then on top of that we have a bunch of weather which is like what you happen to be doing and you know what you did yesterday and how you feel and family of origin stuff and all that <laughs> and labels, all exactly sense. where you come from and what you do for a living and your labels and all of that stuff it's wonderfully human stuff you know it's fun to look at that stuff and it's interesting and and all of that but just in the bigger picture it's so superficial compared to looking at what where we're all alike you know mm-hmm. so we tend to focus on how we're unique and different which again has its time and place that's great but it's really fascinating to look at where this experience comes from and when what I see with people, you know, is when we kind of aren't staring at what's already happened, which is what we just did or how we just felt or what we just thought. When we aren't looking at that, you're looking towards something that's really expansive. It's this open field where all of this experience is coming from and kind of asking questions about that. Like, what is that? And, you know, what is this really before it shows up in my human experience? It's a whole different ballgame. That is... I've never had anyone put it like that, and I totally get what you're saying. And it, the way I love the way you say it because it's so simple, but yet so incredibly profound with a capital P. Like, really? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's both. It's very simple and very profound. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating too. So, what have you found has been? And I, and I I know you probably can't put this into like one simple answer, but like give us an example of even like maybe the first exercise that you would run through with somebody it, for someone who feels disconnected from, you know, I'm just going to call it source. I don't, I don't know what you actually name it. How do you get them to, to try to tap into that? Yeah. Um, so I don't do any exercises. I oh, don't do okay. any tools or techniques or anything. Um, it's it's a conversation, and, I, and again, I know it sounds really simple. I was but waiting it, for you to be like, I have this magic pill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's an elixir. No, <laughs> that would be nice, but no, no pills. Um, <laughs> no, it's just it's just a conversation where 
you know, I'm, I'm looking to see what they believe about how life works and, and what they're seeing. Cause if someone's in, if someone's suffering, any of us, myself included, you know, anyone, like when we're suffering, there's something we're just not seeing accurately. That's what our suffering tells us. Our, our, our brain, our biased mind is putting a spin on things. You know, we aren't seeing things accurately because I think when we, if we saw life accurately, we would be in bliss. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean you should be in bliss. Like, don't, if you're listening, you know, don't hear that there's a problem with you because you aren't. You are a human being with a brain and with a thinking mind, and we take our thinking as truth. We mistake our, our thinking as, as the way things are, and mm-hmm. so we go in and out of emotions all the time, you know, so we aren't, I don't believe we're designed to always be in bliss because we're human. We're designed to feel all kinds of stuff, but, but it's a bit of a paradox maybe, but beyond that, human piece of us, it's completely possible that, you know, when we aren't caught up in our own thinking, we are, like, we do see the beauty and the love all over the place in everything. So, so when I work with people, you know, it is just kind of a conversation where we're kind of looking at how do you see things? How do you think it works? You know, does your experience look like you you know, get a a book deal or you get a new boyfriend or you lose five pounds and that's what makes you happy? Or does it look like something else is at cause, you know, because how come every time you get a new boyfriend, you're not just as happy? You know, it's like Mm -hmm. looking at like, wait a minute, it can't be coming from out there, can it? Mm -hmm. It has to be coming from within us and how we see things. So, um, so yeah, I don't really do anything more like more formal than that, but it really is a series of really amazingly deep and great conversations that help people just start to get a feel for how, how our experience works. That's fascinating. So it sounds to me a little bit like, and you know, maybe point out where I'm wrong if I am, it's that you help people. Part of it is that you have a conversation with people and find out what are the stories and beliefs that their brains are making up about everything about their past, about the possible future, about the situation that just happened, about themselves, about everything, correct? Um, it is, although it's interesting because I don't really think that, I don't, we don't go into the content of those stories too much. It's more about the understanding. Mm-hmm. So, so certainly, you know, you talk with someone and you see, oh no, you know, I'm, I'm dumb because I did bad in first grade and therefore this is just who I am. Like, you know, we're going to look at that. <laughs> if someone's carrying that around with them for, for 30 years, we're going to look at that. But it's less about, okay, let's look at all the ways that you're not dumb. Let's disprove your story. Let's challenge that. It's not that so much as like looking more at, you know, the fact that every single human on earth operates in the same way. We have thought that we think is true and we forget we made it up. We forget how mm-hmm. completely false and subjective and arbitrary our own thinking is. And so it's just, it's, you know, I mean, yeah, what you said is right, but it's, um, I just wanted to say like, it's a little more about the process. That's what I mean about how our mind works, how the human experience Mm -hmm. works is that we all make up these stories. And when you get that everyone makes up stories, what your particular story is doesn't really matter so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's true. It is true. And it's it's funny, like I recently, well, maybe not even so recently, like maybe the last couple years or so, when I start to say something about something that I've really made up, I change my language and I say that. Especially, This is especially helpful, y'all, when you're talking to your partners. <laughs> And like, if I'm about to blame or say something that I don't know is true or not, 
I'll say like, well, I'm making up and this is kind of like a therapy thing, you know, quote unquote psychobabble, but I think it can be hugely powerful. And I even say it when I'm talking to a coaching client, like, okay, I'm over here making up that, you know, and then you answer or finish that sentence by saying, what do you think about that? I just think it can be an even a powerful conversation piece. Yeah. No, I think it's huge. I mean, just to put that in, in front of it, it totally changes it because, and you know, half the time, probably when you're saying that, you still kind of believe it. Like there's oh, a yeah. part of you that wants to hold on <laughs> to it. You're like, well, I'm right. I'm making this up, but this is right. Right. <laughs> like that's how it's with my partner anyway, you know, like, but, um, but yeah, it's like just, and that's exactly it. It's like when we can just start to get suspicious mm-hmm. of our own stuff, especially like anything that is limiting or that hurts. Like, how can that be true? It can't be objectively true. I just don't see how it can be. And so, yeah, when we start to just get suspicious of ourselves like that, it it changes everything. I love that. You know, I'm, um, I just finished reading Brene Brown's newest book, Rising Strong. and, And in it, she talks about the importance of curiosity within our emotions, which is kind of off topic, but kind of related. And, um, it is so, curiosity can be so hugely powerful. I know you use the word suspicious, but I think, I I think it's both. And even just getting curious about our own stories and our own beliefs and our own, because our, you know, I talk a lot about the inner critic and just simply, you know, the voice in our head and inner critics don't like curiosity. (laughs) They like to state fact, you know, like I sometimes like I use the joke as sometimes like that voice in your head is like a, like a really good but bad attorney, you know, that's trying to gain evidence and be like, see, see why you're such a screw up, yeah. see why you can't do it, see why you can't yeah. keep the weight off. But um, yeah, they don't like curiosity. So keep that in mind, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> and they will get louder in the face of curiosity, you know, yes. and more demanding. And that's just such a nice thing to know because then mm-hmm. you just get, you're just kind of onto it. You know what that is. Right. And I, and I like that curiosity is neutral. It's not like, okay, I want you to go out and completely change your beliefs, you know, cause yeah. no, we're too smart for that. Our brains, our brains don't like it. So I love right. that, you know, being suspicious and being curious. Awesome. And uh, it's so, kind of like, I'm oh, sorry, ahead, just one quick thing I want to say about that. Like it's, you know, it's not, it's almost like when I hear people talk about like, Oh, go change all your beliefs and stuff. Or like, let's challenge that thought and stuff. I mean, not that that can't sometimes be helpful, but it's just always struck me as like, it's such an exercise. It's, it's like taking logic, you know, we're just not logical in that way all the time. And it's, mm-hmm. it's at the level of intellect and, and concepts and things like that. And we're going to like fight this against that, this concept against that concept. And truly what I think it is, is like when you're just curious and you just let go and you say, I don't know how, I don't know, but there's something here to be curious about. There's something much wiser than your brain and much wiser than your inner critic, a voice that's just going to show you, Yeah. you know, so we don't need to get in there and figure it out and take it to task and prove things, you know, it's like, just let go and you will (laughs) see more clearly by letting go. Yeah. Speaking of letting go, uh, you wrote a post uh, over the summer called, well, it was based on the book, The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. And I can't wait to read this book. I just, I just read about it on your blog and you did like this whole kind of experiment with your, with your audience. And I just, I want to read just a, a quick quote from your blog post where you're talking about, um, 
his experience in this book and you said he realized that his personal preferences led him to fight against life rather than flow with it. So he attempted to set those aside and assume that something far wiser than him knew what to do. So, end quote. Um, we, and I say we because myself and a lot of my listeners, if not all of them, really struggle with surrendering. I'm, I am getting a tattoo by the end of this year on my arm that says the word surrender because it's one of those things I need constant reminders about. Can you, and I don't even have, forgive me, I don't have a specific question for this because there's like so many. I, I just want you to regurgitate everything that you know in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> about this book and and all of its wisdom and all of your wisdom. The floor is yours, Dr. Amy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I taught a course over the summer on this. And so I had a group of people. I read the book first on a trip. It, okay, let me first tell you this, this story. This is crazy. So I was off to a retreat. Um, I very rarely I have two little kids, three and five, and I'm I one of my beliefs that I know is um, I know to be curious about, but yet it still feels very true is that I should not be leaving my children. So I, I, I leave them <laughs> I leave them very rarely in very capable hands of their father, but you know it's still a, a very um, it's very dramatic. So anyway, so I left on this trip. I'm feeling all this stuff. Um, I had to catch, I was going to an island off the coast of Vancouver. I had like three flights and a ferry to meet up with my friends that I was doing this retreat with. And I missed one of my flights, not my fault, but like customs took forever and whatever. So, um, so everything's kind of like around me, you know, it's like not the end of the world, but like in my little world, that moment, everything's kind of not going right and falling apart. And so in this, this layover that I had, um, and on all these flights, I'm reading this book and and it's Michael Singer's story of his life. And essentially, I mean, you just kind of said it well with that quote. What he basically saw is that every time he feels um, suffering, discomfort, disappointment, it comes from his own preferences. It comes from him putting his preferences and his opinions about how things should go, which, again, are nothing but that chatter of our mind. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that says I should have made my flight or that someone shouldn't be sick or that we make that up as human beings. We say what we think should be and how things should go and we forget we made it up and we hold on to it like it's a, a truth in the universe. And so he saw that every single time he hurts, it's because he's holding on to some preference or opinion that he had and he's fighting against what life is giving him. And it was so, it was just such a huge experience for me in the middle of all these things, you know, to (laughs) going on, you know, to say, maybe I'm supposed to miss this flight. Maybe I'm supposed to like, feel like a horrible mother right now. Like maybe all of these, you know, this is, this is what life's giving me. So it's either I'm smarter than the universe, (laughs) you know, which has been spinning planets and turning, you know, cells into babies and doing all this stuff for however long. Or maybe the universe is smarter and you just, I just had to go with, let's just assume the universe is wiser, you know, and maybe there's something in this. And I had the best time missing my flights and having to pay for a hotel room that I didn't think I was going to have to pay for and doing all this stuff, you know. And so anyway, the, it's an amazing book if you read it about his life. Um, 
just incredible chain of events where it's just him letting go as best he can over and over, letting go of his own personal preference and saying yes to what's falling in his lap and just how things unfolded. And so I thought it would be so great um, to lead some people through this. So I had just, you know, I sent the book to everyone that was in the class and they all read it before. And we had four meetings where we just talked about it and we talked about how it was showing up in people's lives. And some of the stories from that, you know, I mean, people are just in big and little ways, just letting go. And the little ways are sometimes harder than the big ways. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, like surrendering to traffic, to being late to your dentist appointment, to things like that, honestly, are sometimes just as hard or harder for us than something big. But there's just so much to see in doing that. And yeah, it was just, it was really awesome experience. That's amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, when are you teaching that again? So I can take it. <laughs> I highly recommend the book. You'll love it. And I it's will. a story. It's a For memoir. Sure. So it's really fun to read. Oh my gosh. And I, yeah, I, I have not ever met anyone that I think we're just human. And, and that's part of, you know, being human, as you say, and wrote a book about and just the issue of control. And I, it's interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on a, a solo podcast episode coming up next month where I talk about my addiction story. And, and one of my pretty fierce addictions was codependency. And if anyone knows anything about it or has struggled with it themselves, uh, control is a big part of that. And, you know, I was reading through the the godmother of of codependency, Melody Beattie's book, Codependent No More, which I I, I also highly recommend if someone thinks that they're struggling with it. And, and I was reading back and it's, and it's funny because I have this book and I, when I first got it, when I was 26, maybe, um, a coworker handed it to me and I thank her for that. I was insulted at first. <laughs> but yeah, I that's not what you want the cubicle next to you to like push yeah. over on your desk. <laughs> you need this. Um, and I had highlighted, you know, when I first was reading it. And so it was really interesting. It was almost like going back and reading a journal to like look back and, and see where I had highlighted. And then I had put stars by some of them and like multiple stars by some of them. <laughs> and, and, you know, some of them for me were, you know, being obsessed with other people's behaviors to the point of making yourself ill and, you know, trying to change someone. And, and I mean, that's, that's a severe case on the spectrum of, you know, quote unquote control and, and the opposite is surrendering. And, but I, I just, I feel like it's kind of one of those behaviors that I don't know, like maybe you might disagree, but like, I feel like a, there people don't really talk about that all that much. And I think it's kind of rampant in our culture, especially of, you know, very high achieving women who get a lot of shit done. And, um, like what if we just the freedom for me, it's like, for instance, I love, you know, the, the example of your, your plane, um, missing your flight. And I've been on several flights where you're sitting on the runway, like in the plane. And then the pilot comes on and they're like, sorry, folks, you know, either you have to get off the plane or it's going to be a delay and people are squirming in their seats and grumbling and pissed off. And it's like, that's one of the things now where I can just be like, oh, well, you know, what am I supposed to do? Like, I can't get off the plane and fix it. I can't go and like direct plane traffic to try to get us out there. There's nothing I can do. And that has been tough, like, because I used to be one of those people, like, bitching to the the flight attendant. And, but I tell you what, there's so much freedom in surrendering. It's, it's, it's like, I, I don't use this word lightly, but it, if you can practice it, it is a miracle. Yeah, it really is. And it's almost like, you know, it's like, yeah, what, what are you going to do? And even better, 
what if this is supposed to happen? Right. Like, and I don't know about all that either. It's not, I don't know that things are all pre to try. I just don't even know, but I don't know how I even feel about it. What my opinion is about it, but it kind of doesn't matter, but it's like, it's possible. <laughs> like, what if, you know, things, even if we look and we say, well, I don't see how that was a good thing. It doesn't matter. That's just, again, us in our heads wanting to see how it was a good thing. Well, we're human beings. We don't see everything. You know, we don't always have that bigger perspective. But to just even consider the fact that things are kind of unfolding perfectly and that we're not going to see that much of the time is just so freeing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I just I spent not too long ago a week at, at Soul Camp um, over in in the Poconos Mountains, and one of the kind of slogans that they lived by <laughs> during that week is everything is perfect. And I was yeah. like, at first I was like, uh, but that's actually not true. <laughs> but then, <laughs> you know, it's like it rained one day, and um, the technology wasn't working for one of the things that they wanted to do, and. You know, and it's just, and it really is. And it's like, I just kind of like, like I adopted that. And it's just like, it just is like even the struggling, like I don't, I don't necessarily have to love it and be like, this is awesome that I have to go and completely redo my son's IEP at school. (laughs) It's not, but it's just, it's perfect for us. And it is what it is. Like it really sounds kind of like simple and woo woo, but it it is. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It just makes things so much easier. It does. it does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to go run out and read that book. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> another, another blog post that I love that you wrote um, and the title of the title of it alone, you guys like go. And again, all the links to Amy's blog posts and, and to her books are at um, yourkickasslife.com forward slash six, seven. You can see the show notes and, uh, and, and these blog posts that I'm referring to. And uh, you wrote a post called "That Thing Your Mom Always Said About You." It actually it wasn't actually about you, and I, I think it's such a it's a it's a great post. I felt like because I don't know if I have had a client yet who hasn't had some issue. Uh, most of the time, it's mo- their mother where their mother said something that is. St- I know my mom did, and you know she has since made amends for it. But still, it's kind of like <laughs> still stings. Um, so, and I know this sort of goes back to to family of origin, which I think is you know it's it's uh, important for everyone. So, can we talk a little bit about family of origin and how it affects us? can affect us decades, decades later. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, family of origin or friend at school or whatever, like, like certainly family can get to us in a way that other people can't because we love them more than most people on earth. And so we, you know, we just take what they say more seriously, especially a parent too. I think we're somehow wired to just believe what they tell us, you know, Mm -hmm. it keeps us alive in the early days. So we, uh, we tend to take that a little more seriously, but it's, it's all the same in the end, you know, where it comes from or whatever, what it, what it really is, is just that we, you know, we hear something and we don't hear what's said. We hear what we think. We hear our own thinking. And, you know, so, so your mom or anyone from a bad state of mind when she's having a bad day and she's stressed out, 
can say, oh, Andrew, you really shouldn't, you really shouldn't wear pants like that. They don't work on you. <laughs> Something, I'm just making this up. And like, and that can stick with you. And she said what she said. She's in a bad mood. Maybe she's feeling bad about her own self. You know, who knows? Maybe it had nothing at all to do with you. But it's her, it's her seeing things the way that her arbitrary and very biased thoughts kind of flash through her head in those in that very moment, you know. But what happens is we hear something and we don't really hear it. We hear what's in our own head and what it means and all the layers and layers of stuff. And we just walk around life with it and we just treat it as if it's true. So it's almost like, you know, I think it's an older blog post, but I, I think it was inspired by, um, I think, and I've had this since then a client or someone mm-hmm, saying like, mm-hmm, you know, I see that, I see that maybe my mom was just in a bad place that day or, you know, or maybe that was just, maybe that's just how she sees it. Not everyone will see me this way. And that's kind of like the silver lining approach. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> yeah. let's, uh, you know, like, yes, yeah. Like, yes, this is somewhat true. This is a bad thing, but, but I can have a good spin on it. And it's not bad at all. It goes so much bigger than that. It's that everything we all think, is so biased and arbitrary. It's biased by our own state of mind in the very moment. Like, you know, how many things do you all think and opinions do you form, let's say, and the next day from a different mood, a different state of mind, you see things totally differently. Like, you know, we we just need to be more curious about our own thinking and see that all of our thinking is coming through us from that spiritual energy, from that source, you know, and that when it hits our our brain, which is just a machine, a very, very subjective bias machine, it gets spit out with all kinds of meaning and agenda and all kinds Mm -hmm. of garbage in there that doesn't really belong to it, you know? So like, we just have this way of taking things so seriously and, and living into them, you know? And I think it's so great to get a glimpse of, how that works and just how meaningless by nature, inherently meaningless and arbitrary so much of this stuff is, all of it is in a sense, you know, that just seeing that frees you from it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really, really big thing. And and I, I think that, um, you know, what it made me think of is, and I, and I can tell the story because my mom and I have processed it and, it's, it's done. And and I have forgiven her and she has since apologized. But my mom, my mom was not a shaming person at all, but she said this one thing to me when I was little, I was probably, I was probably my own children's age. My kids are six and eight now. And my mom, and I was probably, she would never have said this if I was crying over something I quote unquote worthy of crying over, (laughs) which is probably a whole nother podcast episode, but like, you know, like not getting something that I wanted or or something like that. And she said, I was crying and she said to me, go look in the mirror and look at how ugly you look when you cry. And which is pretty shaming. And again, like the only shaming thing she ever said to me as a child, well actually ever in my life. And and I bring that up because what I made up in that moment, like in my head, not even consciously, but like looking back and like realizing like why it stuck with me for decades and why, you know, it's like I made up all these stories. So I made up that A, I should not be crying at all. Like it just wasn't okay to cry at all. I also made up that it was definitely not okay to cry in front of other people. I also made up all kinds of things about um, my appearance you know, that like, are we not allowed to like make quote unquote bad faces? So it's, it's so interesting to look back and kind of connect the dots and go like, oh, that's why 
I got all fucked up in the head about that. And so it's for me, it's like a lot easier to to go back and and, um, you know, talk to her about it. A number one, which is never an easy conversation and, you know, ask what was going on and to forgive her for it and to look at my own parenting, like all these kind of, you know, more healthy ways of doing it. But I, I, I make up that people hold on to those kinds of things and then, and never take a closer look at it and try to connect the dots around it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so fascinating because as you're saying that, it's almost like, it just made me think like, what if in that moment, rather than making up what you made up, you know, she, I don't know, like something, your dog ran through the the room and like caught your attention and you sort of heard that, but you didn't really hear it. So you didn't make that stuff up. Mm -hmm. She would have said the same thing she said and your life from that point forward would have been different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Simply because you wouldn't have made up the same stuff, you know, it is so arbitrary, you know, it it just, I don't know, it just blows my mind. Like if you had you been in a different, and again, this isn't about like, she should have said it, she shouldn't have said it, or that there's anything wrong with what you made up, you know, I mean, you made up what a kid would make up maybe, but, but again, maybe from a different state of mind or a different, your focus being somewhere else, or, you know, you being a little less hungry or whatever could have been different, you would have made up something else. Cause that's truly how our minds work. Mm-hmm. It's not like you globbed onto what she said because what she said really meant something. It's like, we're just constantly beyond our awareness before, you know, we're not doing this on purpose, unconsciously, just kind of attaching meaning to things and seeing things in a very biased way. Yeah. I mean, she was pretty horrified. She doesn't doesn't actually even remember saying it. I'm pretty sure it only happened one, one time, one time, one sentence. And, um, I mean, she was horrified when I told her that I remember her saying that and, and maybe she kind of remembers, but hoped that I didn't remember, you know, and like, like, Oh no, I can't believe I just did that to my child <laughs> back up, back up. But yeah, it was, it was good to be able to know, just to realize what I had made up based on that one sentence. And, you know, I had, I had a choice there. I could have just like continued to blame her like for all of my issues. <laughs> that doesn't get me anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Not at all. But okay, I'm going to move on. And I have one more question because in your new book that you have coming out, the very, very beginning of January, new you, new everybody, January, yay. (laughs) Um, And I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it's called The Little Book of Big Change. Yes. Okay. So you, you talk about, I can't wait to read it because you talk about things that you've done to break habits in your own life. And one of the things that you say is that it's not willpower. So can you give us a sneak peek into the new book a little bit? Yeah, it's really, so the subtitle is, um, I keep forgetting, but it's, it's the no willpower approach to breaking any habit or something like that. So it really is, uh, it really is, like I said, in the beginning, you know, like we talked about in the beginning, so many of these approaches to changing some, whatever it is you want to change about your life is about looking at, okay, change your thinking, change how you feel, change what you do. You know, let's look at what's already formed out in the physical world, what's already manifest in, in what we're doing and try to change it. And for myself personally, and just from what I've seen with people in the last few years doing this, it's so much more powerful and easier and just deeper and more long lasting to go before that and look at the source of our experience. You know, so, so I think in many cases, you know, it's not that willpower and discipline aren't effective. Sometimes they are, but we all know we've all used, we've all tried to white knuckle our way through things. Mm -hmm. And 
tried to change habits or form new habits or whatever it is, you know, by discipline alone. And it's hard. And, and even if you do it, it's almost like you're kind of forcing yourself until the momentum picks up. And sometimes the momentum doesn't pick up. So it's like almost just feels a little surfacy and like not quite as deep as it can be. And I think the flip side of that is changing by insight. So, so when we see that, that what we're doing and what we're thinking, we don't, we just, just because we see a new picture of it, we, we have a sea change around it and we see a new truth of it. We don't take it so seriously. We don't act on every thought and every craving and every urge that floats through our minds because we see something about that. And we see this is just how, how experience shows up. You know, this is how my lower brain is kind of conditioned. If you, you know, if you smoke, you're going to, if you smoke regularly, you're going to have cravings for a cigarette. That's Mm -hmm. just how the brain works. That's how it works. But, but what we do is when those cravings hit, you know, we kind of resist them and we get into thinking and we think they're personal or we do all of this stuff. And the more that we can start to just see something like that is like, okay, this is what my brain is giving me in this moment. And it's temporary as all human experiences. And it's, inherently meaningless as all human experiences and it fades it goes away you know then then it's almost like you're watching your experience similar to how you might watch clouds you know float through the sky or the weather pass but you're you're in there and you're habit free you're healthy like we all are by nature so we're more in we're kind of more connected with us, you know, the real us in there and you're letting all this this storm kind of come and and go by, but, but by insight, you know, having like an insight into that, I've seen people just myself included walk away from habits instantly. That's, I can't wait to read it. That's how yeah. <laughs> I write a lot about, about my own habit. Um, one of them I've, I've had many, <laughs> but, um, I had a, a binge eating habit for a long time. I mean, and you know, I call it a habit just cause I don't like the traditional psychology language, but it was certainly, you know, diagnosed by many people as a full on disorder and, you know, had all of that kind of stuff that comes along with that. Um, it was a big thing and it really, really affected my life in huge ways for almost 10 years, you know, for the better part of 10 years. And I, you know, I don't know, it was a perfect storm of like some of these spiritual principles that we're talking about and also learning some of the brain science behind what's happening that I I saw something. I mean, I truly just had a deep insight and it was just done. Hmm. It was done like that. And I had done everything. (laughs) I had done every, you know, and I have a lot of discipline and a lot of willpower. And I saw over the eight or nine years that I had this habit that, the more I pushed and used my discipline and willpower, it would it would work for a short amount of time and then it would rebound. You know, I would have the worst rebound you could imagine and it would never help long term. But once I just saw what I saw, I think in a nutshell, and I don't really know exactly, you know, what it is because we can't always put words around these things. But it was like when I would have this urge that made me think I needed to go out and buy massive quantities of food. It, that was my, I had conditioned my brain to do that. It was just my brain doing what it was taught to do. Mm-hmm. Didn't mean anything. Didn't mean I had to. It didn't mean that would actually make me feel better. I mean, it would for a minute, but it, there was none of the, none of the stuff I had around. It didn't mean I had emotional issues I had to process. It didn't mean any of that garbage. It was my brain doing what it was taught to do and it would fade 
it would pass. And the more I just saw, oh my gosh, like I don't, this isn't making me do anything. It's just a bad feeling. I've lived through tons of bad feelings in my life. I can live through more bad feelings. Like this is no big deal. So it just gave me this safety and this ability to kind of like let that come. And oh, I see you. I know what you are. Kind of like, you know, we said about the inner critic, like Mm -hmm. anyone does with any of this, like, yep, I know what you are and I'm not taking you seriously. And it came and went. And and your brain changes when you stop acting on, you know, stop strengthening those cravings and reinforcing yeah. them. And they just kind of stop coming around. Oh, my gosh. That's – I wish it was coming out sooner because – I and I'm sure that uh, there's people listening who are like <laughs> – I need to, I need to read that because I you know there's a lot of people out there that that suffer from those same struggles. So thank you so much for writing it. I'm very excited for it to come out. You said January second, correct? 2016. Yes. Okay, everyone. Yep. So if you go to yourkickasslife.com forward slash 67, there will be the, the links to that. But why don't you go ahead and let everyone know the best way to um, to read more about you and and get to know you better and follow every word you've ever written. <laughs> oh, geez. I don't know. Um, yeah. So my website is dramyjohnson.com. It's just dramyjohnson.com. Um, yeah, you can sign up there. I have, you know, some, some free interviews and stuff. Um, if you sign up and I write a new article every Thursday. So there's always a, a newsletter that comes out every Thursday with something brand new. I'd love to write and I do it a lot. Um, I have a workshop coming up, uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan in late October. That's kind of around centered around the book that I just talked about. And, you know, so if you just want to learn more about this or, or you need help with a habit or addiction or something more specific, that's a great thing to come to. And there's all kinds of stuff on the sites. You'll find everything there. Thank you so much. And again, we will link to, to everything there for Dr. Amy and Thank you so much for the work you do in the world and for being here today. And um, with that, everyone, thank you for being here. And I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye.